0: What is up, everyone? My name is Danny, and this is the It Makes Sense podcast. Here at It Makes Sense, we address why the Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes the most sense out of life in the universe. Hey, everybody, how's it going? My name Danny. Welcome to another episode of the It Makes Sense podcast. And uh, we are going to talk about the word of the day indictments. Yes, we are going to talk about indictments. We're going to get a little political, we're going to get a little religious. And um, I'm going to not compare, so please sort of try to get that out of your head that I'm comparing, but I'm going to talk about three people in history, two currently right now that are going through some legal issues, let's just say, and probably what would be considered the sham trial of all history. And I'm sure you're really curious to know what that's all about, but we are going to not do a comparison of these three people. So please understand that. This is actually going to point out a couple of things that I want to, to sort of show out there about, you know, when you really want to get your guy, but you just don't have the evidence to do it, sometimes you bend or even break the rules. And the person that I want to talk about first, who who really went through the biggest sham of a trial in all of history, is Jesus Christ. Now, you may not quite understand what I'm getting at here and and what that actually means. I mean, some of you have... I'm sure I've read, you know, the, the story of Jesus's trial, the arrest, the the betrayal, um, and of course his death and his resurrection, we're going to focus on the trial because there is something very important that you need to know about that trial. Now, we know as Christians that Jesus was perfect. So there, there really were no charges that the, the Sanhedrin could bring against him that were actually legit. They had to really fabricate a lot of things. And what a lot of people don't know is that when it comes to the trial of Jesus Christ, they had to break a lot of rules. If you know anything about Jewish culture, they are steeped and embedded in tradition. And in their traditions, it is just completely wrong if you're going to decide to bend or break a rule with those traditions, okay? Okay. Now with the Sanhedrin even more so we're talking about the religious leaders the Pharisees the Sadducees these are the not the governing people because they were under the Romans at the time but these were the these were the folks the men that sort of brought forth the the judgment of anybody that did anything wrong as long as they were given that opportunity by the Roman government at the time so basically the Romans let them sort of con- conduct their trials um find people guilty not guilty and what have you but they had a set of rules to do this. Now, it's very important that you get this because when we go through this really quick, and I'm going to read off 18 things that they did that broke these rules because what they needed to do was convict Jesus of something quickly and also not just convict him, but also execute the consequences of that, what his sentence would be. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, you're going to be sentenced and then we're going to carry out your sentence, you know in a couple of days, let's just say it was an execution where we have people sitting on death row for years, you know, whether it's appeals or that's just the backed up system that we have. Nope. They wanted to get this done quickly and largely quietly. So let me read, read these 18 things that these guys did. And this is from article. and, And you can, you can look these up because this is, this is not something that somebody just decided to come up with. This is largely agreed upon by, by scholar, scholars that are Christian that are non-Christian, okay? So we're talking about um, religious scholars, historical scholars, we're talking about atheists and people that are just historically know that this is what happened because when you read about Jewish law, you look at that and then you look and you compare it to the things that happened in order for them to put Jesus on trial and then eventually convict him and eventually sentence him and execute him. So scholars say Jesus' trial broke at least 18 of the Mosaic laws that were meant to protect the accused. Now, that sounds sort of familiar to our justice system, right? The accused should be, this is how it works in our country, at least it should work, innocent until proven guilty. Now, I I will say this over the last several years, and I think this has definitely happened in the past, over the last however many years we've been a country, right? Over 200 plus years at least that there have been times when people were guilty until proven innocent, depending on who their accusers were and who the people were that were running the trials, okay? But generally, it is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. And, And with that idea, in the Jewish law, you had the Mosaic law. So this was the law that Moses set aside. So when God set down these laws, he gave them to Moses. And so we call those laws the Mosaic law. And with that... When somebody was accused of something, there had to be this process to make sure that they were not unjustly accused, okay? Um, And and let's just be honest, in all justice systems, there is no perfect system. Now, though we're talking about the one that God laid out for the Jews, the Jews were the ones that were running it. They got some things right. They got some things wrong. When you have humans involved, we're going to have maybe perfect systems run imperfectly. And, and you see that a lot in our country, in the United States today, in our local and, and regional and, you know, our state federal courts. We, we do see people that are completely guilty get away um, with murder, literally. And we see innocent people get put even on death row and executed. So what were some of these things that, that they broke? So the law of Moses included many rules of law for guiding a fair trial. The Sanhedrin in Jerusalem was the highest religious court of the time. Consisting of 70 priests with a high priest in charge, it held court cases in the court of hewn stones near Herod's temple. The trial of Jesus was a quote-unquote capital trial. The crimes he was accused of were punishable by death. There were even more rules for capital trials to make sure they were fair. Scholars say Jesus' trial broke at least 18 of the Mosaic laws that were meant to protect the accused. Here are some. Now, before I start to read these, what I want you to do is sort of picture the scene, right? If you've read the story uh, of Jesus's arrest and then his trial, right? He's actually brought before a couple of people, different people. Um, Try to set the scene and try to picture it in your mind. And when you're looking at if, if anything tells you that how guilty or corrupt your accusers may be, it's when they have to break any and every rule. To find you guilty, okay? Whether in today's time, we got cops that are planning evidence, right? We have um, lawyers and and DAs and prosecutors, you know, corrupt judges, you know, during the time of in Chicago, it was rife with with uh, corruption between the the uh, mafia, the gangs, and the justice system and and the law enforcement. Many judges or lawyers and police officers were bought and paid for by by the mafia right to get them off on on certain um, charges maybe uh, various things like that well we don't have that we just have an agreement in a majority that this guy Jesus was causing a lot of issues like he just recently ransacked the temple and he's yelling at people and he's calling them vipers and you know he he doesn't seem to want to hear us and listen to us he keeps talking down to us and telling us we're wrong and we don't have it right and like They've, they've, they're, they're pretty ticked off, and they're ready for this guy to be, to be done. They've, they've already picked up stones several times to throw at him, to kill him, and Jesus still evades these things because there was this moment in time, which was this time, that he put himself there. Don't, let's not be naive to think that this is just a set of events that just happened. No, Jesus knew this was about to happen. He predicted it, and, and he put himself in this position to be placed here to prove a point. Because he knows that he's perfect, and he knows why he's coming to to die and to rise again. He knows that's going to happen, but he's also sort of showing our flaws and our humanity and how we're willing to even be as corrupt as to convict and kill the Son of God and to do that, to break all of our traditions and our laws. You know, as Jews, and me not being a Jew, but speaking for them, right, to do that, so that they can accomplish this for their own power trips and for their own, you know, keen sense of self-preservation, right? Okay, so let's start. First one, the testimony of an accomplice was not allowed. So the accomplice, right? The person that, uh, that was there that was walking alongside the criminal that, that maybe drove the getaway car or what have you. Therefore, Judas could not accuse or witness against Christ. Now, we, if we know what Judas did, he went to the Pharisees and he was like, hey, how much would you pay me to betray Jesus? Sadly, he took very little money to betray his Messiah, his Lord and Savior. And, and so through that, he not only betrayed him, but he gave him up. He, said, he says these things. He's doing these things, right? And I can tell you right now, the Pharisees are like, well, we can't really get him on that. But, oh, he's equating himself to God. That was the one thing that they wanted to get him on, blasphemy. Blasphemy in the sense that we can stone him. We can execute him. We can kill him for this. That, they didn't want to just put him in prison. They wanted him dead. So Judas's testimony should not have been... Since he walked with him and ate with him and lived with him for years, it should, have, it should have been thrown out. It should have been tossed out. but no, they used that, and they're using Judas in order to have a reason to even arrest Jesus. The second thing is the accused cannot be questioned by a private individual. Remember, Christ was taken to Annas, Caiaphas's father-in-law and the former high priest, and then Caiaphas. So we, he went to uh, Annas. Sat before him. And and now, when you're looking at this, and I want to go sort of give you reference, these are in the three Gospels, okay? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John as well. And I didn't pull up that reference. I don't know why I didn't. But Matthew 26, 47 through 68, and chapter 27, 11 through 56. Mark 14 and 15, we're looking at verses 43 through 65 in chapter 14, and verses 1 through 41 in chapter 15. And then Luke 22, uh, verses forty-seven, seventy-one in chapter twenty-three, verses one uh, through forty-nine, and that sort of culminates. It starts sort of starts with Ju- Judas's betrayal and then his arrest, and then all the way through to his death. So you can you can go and look those up, and you'll find this story there in in those three gospels. Um, you're going to get a very very close and an almost replicated story to some degree. A few differences here and there, a little bit different perspectives here and there. Okay, so so he's being. Questioned by a private citizen, that that's breaking another law. Number three, no legal proceedings could take place at night. If you read right in the in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, it's nighttime. He's praying. He's praying under such arrest that he actually is. They say bleeding uh, is his tears are tears of blood, uh, sweat of blood, and he's stressed. But it's nighttime, and and even so, at a, a time of night when his apostles. Peter, James, and John are sound asleep, like so sound asleep that he goes and wakes them up like three times and they keep falling asleep. And he's just like, Hey, just stay up. Just keep an eye out. Right? No, they're asleep. So this is definitely at nighttime. And that was the the third law that they broke. The Sanhedrin or the Jewish judges cannot bring charges. So the judges themselves, it was required that the witnesses uh, of what had happened or what criminality had taken place, those witnesses would bring the charges the uh, sanhedrin here though they're the ones that bring the charges witnesses had to do that and they didn't but indeed the sanhedrin brought charges then they sought for and brought in false witnesses and remember when it says they brought in witnesses and none of the witnesses could agree they couldn't there was no uh, cohesiveness with it now you know like we talk about the gospels and how we have three different perspectives but they're they're fluid and they work together and we're getting a full picture of jesus's life and testimony But with these guys, like they were contradicting each other and they were not agreeing. There was nothing there that they could use from the witnesses to actually charge Jesus, but they still used it. Now, the next thing that they lied about that they broke, capital trials had to last more than one day to allow for great consideration on the part of the judges. When you're talking about a capital trial, we're talking about a person's life. We're talking about whether or not they're going to be killed or whether they're going to be able to live. This is something that the Jews took very, very seriously. However, we remember they've tried to kill Jesus in the streets with stones several times. Now, these guys were ready to get rid of him again. But with the capital offense, because of the severity of that that sentencing, uh, if they were found guilty, they wanted to take an extra day to really mull over the charges, mull over the witness testimony, sift through all the evidence that they had to make The right decision because they did not take lightly, apparently, with other people other than Jesus, the sentence of death and what that would mean. They also broke these laws here. There had to be two or three agreeing witnesses, and I had just talked about that, and they had to cast the first stones at the criminal. If witnesses were untruthful, they were to receive the same punishment themselves. Now, we don't ever hear what happened to these witnesses. They obviously did not agree. Uh, they because they, it says they couldn't even use their testimony, but they they decided behind closed doors to go ahead and use that testimony. But the the odd thing here is is the witnesses are the ones that end up once the the charges are set that they're found guilty, and then the sentencing happens, and then they execute the sentencing. In this case, stoning somebody. The witnesses were the ones to pick up the stones first and throw it. Now. I, I don't know that in all situations when somebody was found guilty and they were being stoned, that all the witnesses were just, you know, gleeful about picking up a rock and throwing it at somebody to try to kill them. I can imagine that there was probably a lot of reservation there. So, there again, we're talking about people that were taking this very heavily to say, if I'm going to come forth and I'm going to make a claim about this person and say that they did something that would break the laws of God, that means if they are actually convicted I am required to pick up the first stones and throw it at him. That's Jewish law. But we never see that happen because we know the witnesses didn't agree. We also know that we didn't that Jesus was never stoned. He was actually crucified. Next up, the, the accused had to have a friend in court to defend him. Jesus had no friends. As a matter of fact, everybody there was insulting him, spitting on him, ridiculing him, making fun of him. Uh, mocking him, okay, uh, kicking him probably. You know the the beatings didn't just probably happen with the soldiers. I am assuming that he was probably getting hit and uh, possibly kicked during this time because again, this is a secret trial that they're having. No friends. Peter, who followed and actually was able to sort of spy in on this whole situation, was there but was not allowed in, and and even to the degree to where. He was noticed and recognized as somebody who followed Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. So what we have to understand here is is like Jesus is completely alone. And and I I thought about this, and I'm like, he had to set this up this way because it had to be just him. There had to be nobody else there that, that that would come to his defense because this had to be done. This had to be followed through. He was going to go up on that cross, and he was going to die for all of us. The next law they broke is, if with a capital crime the decision is unanimous against the accused, the case is actually thrown out. Let me say that again. If with a capital crime the decision is unanimous against the accused, the case is actually thrown out. Any members of the Sanhedrin in um, who may have defended Christ were not invited to this court session. The court found unanimously against Jesus, so he should have walked free. That's because he had nobody there in his defense. Everybody there agreed with that. This should have been Jesus was walking away. but instead, it's him now going and being put in prison and beat in crown of thorns and you know, uh, the nine the, the lashes on his back and tearing his flesh off of him and carrying the cross down the street. In putting himself up on the cross and getting hammered to the cross and eventually dying. But here, with a unanimous decision, which they were unanimous, he was guilty in their eyes, they did not set him free. Again, and another thing is the trial was held at Caiaphas's palace instead of at the proper court. The next morning, part of the Sanhedrin convened at the proper place to make things look legal. So they already, they, it's, it's sort of like eloping, right? You go and elope, you go and get married away from everybody else. And then you're like now we're going to have the wedding for, you know, those people that wanted to be at a wedding. We wanted to go ahead and just get married. We wanted to do it now, and do it by ourselves. But we wanted to make it look sort of official or at least uh make people happy that wanted to see the celebration of of getting married. And that's what they're doing here. They're they're sort of making it a a um it's it's the it's circus, you know, in a sense. They're they're they're, they're doing this presentation of Jesus to say, oh, we did all this legit. Like this is all good and well-meaning and and um, legit. So, but obviously, it was not. Any sort of bribery disqualifies a member of the court. And who was who, who bribed? That was Judas. The court bribed Judas to turn on Christ. So, right there, I mean, we know from the very beginning, this court was already corrupt. You know, they were going to do whatever they could. To, to make this happen, they found somebody who was willing to do that, and, and Judas did. But just by that, we're, you know, bribery is not good in any situation. So you should always question the, the, the morals and, and uh, the intentions of those who are willing to say, hey, if you do this for us, you know, we'll, we'll bribe you. Sounds sort of familiar, actually. Hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, let's see. Number 17. The judges are not allowed to assault the accused. So remember how I told you, the whole beating thing didn't just happen with the soldiers. We had the judges, we had the Sanhedrin. They all attacked Jesus. They were all abusing him physically and mentally and verbally and emotionally. Like everything they could do, they threw at him right there. And then they handed him over to the Romans. And lastly, When the Sanhedrin took Jesus before Pilate, hoping for a death sentence to be carried out according to Roman law, they changed the charges from blasphemy to treason, illegal under the law of Moses. What they were trying to say, you know, they got before Pilate and they started to see, like, Pilate didn't care about blasphemy. He didn't believe in their God. It didn't matter to him. It was just a Jewish thing. Matter of fact, he just was like, I'm just... He was so sick and tired of dealing with Jews at that time. He was just done with them. He's like, I need to, I need to be promoted, so I got to do this. I got to make this look all well. I got to keep these people under control. I got to appease their, you know, their wishes. But blasphemy, like you got to do better than that. And eventually, they just started to say, well, you know, he's causing riots, or or he's doing this, he's doing that, he's going to, you know, um, they they had had just recently some riots uh, and uprisings of of Jews. They called them zealots. So they were out there trying to really just cause a lot of issues because they didn't want to be under Roman rule. So they're looking at trying to um, push back, take back what is theirs. I mean, they obviously couldn't defeat the whole Roman army. But there was a lot of riots that were happening, a lot of chaos and uprisings that were happening by groups of Jews that were not happy being under Roman rule. And so they're trying to relate Jesus and make him look like one of these, these um, you know, rabble rousers that's like out there causing all these problems where Jesus wasn't doing that. I mean, we really don't see get Jesus get angry except for when he's at the temple. And, and he had every right to do that because I mean, and they all knew it. They had made the temple a mockery. They were, they were, you know, conducting business in a, in a holy place where they should have been worshiping God. And so he wanted to make that example of that, but that was the most that he ever got truly violent or, or chaotic in that regard but that was that was something for them that was enough and i'm sure jesus knew that and i'm sure he would you know they would sort of put that in their notes like oh he he you know turned over some tables and you know kicked people out of the temple and everything he got a little crazy he yelled at some folks you know unlike the other guys who are actually attacking roman soldiers and and trying to overthrow them i know maybe you're not familiar with jewish culture but you can imagine i think you can imagine that there are cultures out there that they're, they're very, very entrenched in their traditions. And, and so entrenched that when they break these traditions or these rules, they penalize people for that. But yet here they are having no regard for their own rules, for their own laws, for their own traditions, so that they can, they again, can appease that, that desire to continue to have their power and not have this guy that seems to be getting people on his side. And 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 as some, you know, Nicodemus who was a, a Pharisee sort of he turned away from what they were doing, turned towards God. Joseph of Arimathea, same an, another example. Later on Paul, like they didn't want to see that happening. They wanted to control the Jewish people. They wanted to continued to benefit in 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 a, in a way they were also like the romans they were holding down their own people high taxes and and um, making making them do things to that they they knew they could never be righteous enough to not be convicted of some kind of rule breaking they always wanted to make it to where they were constantly having to work something off because they did something wrong and To know that this is the kind of trial Jesus endured, that they had to do all of this to convict the Messiah, the Son of God. The the person like when Pilate said, you know, uh, and Jesus goes, I am the truth. And, you know, Pilate's like, what is the truth? Like he's staring at truth. He's staring at the embodiment, the personification of what truth is. It has no recognition of who Jesus is and being God. And these Jews, these Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, who, who constantly questioned him, who constantly tried to mock him, who would try to trick him and entrap him, so to get him to say something so that they could accuse him, they had, they had to do everything they could to convict a perfect person, a sinless man, a man who was guilty of nothing. So if that's what we, if that's what we see with Jesus in this trial— I'm going to sort of switch this and flip this a little bit. I'm going to talk about two other guys. All right, my guy Donald Trump, yeah, that guy, and I, I don't know if I'd say the antithesis of Donald Trump, but Hunter Biden. These two guys right now are are um, uh, being put through the ringer. Whether it's right or wrong, you decide. But let's talk about Trump first. Now, in, in full disclosure. I'm going to tell you I voted for Trump in 2016 and 2020. Now, he wasn't my guy. I I liked Ted Cruz. Um I was hoping he would have gotten it, but you know what? I I vote for not necessarily the person, but I vote more for the person who's for the platform of the conservative um type of um policies that I I look to see in in a candidate. Now, Trump was saying all the right things, okay? Now, then you had Hillary Clinton, and not to get into the whole electionary thing, I was not voting for her. And, and I didn't vote for Trump because I hated Hillary. I don't do that. I voted for Trump because I voted for party. I voted for platform, okay? Now, Trump now is finding himself in some predicaments. Let's just say it mildly, right? But let me, let me say this about all of this. There's these indictments that are being handed down left and right, okay, all over the place. Like, as soon as, you know, Trump wakes up in the morning, he's probably getting a call from some DA somewhere to say, hey, you did this again, or you did this, we're going to charge you with this, we're going to indict you. I mean, it's, it's almost comical at this point. Um, some people say well, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe, okay? I will say this about the, the, the criminal, the um, classified documents. I will say this. I think Trump was not smart for having the huge X on his back from every Democrat and even some Republicans that want him to go away, never come back, to never hear him again, to say the things he said, to do the things he's done, to, to talk the way he's talked, and to sort of put him out there like, nobody can touch me, okay? The evidence for that particular case, there is, there's something there. But here's the problem. Hillary Clinton did the same thing. Now, now could you, could could they, I'm, yeah, they have every right that they want to take Trump to trial on this. And they have some evidence there, and that evidence could convict him. Okay, he could see jail time. I doubt it, but he could. But Hillary did the same thing. And maybe, and I would even say more blatantly, and they didn't even dis, even consider to bring charges against her. Now, maybe Trump isn't going to get you know, charge, maybe doesn't even go to trial. But here's the thing. This shouldn't even be a conversation. Because how can you with Trump, decide that you want to indict him, charge him, and then put this to trial, but you don't do any of that with Hillary. So that's my problem with all of this. There's some corruption there in a sense of, we got a double standard. Just like And again, I'm not comparing what I'm what I want you to notice is, is when you have people that are so bent on keeping their power or keep hidden the things that they're doing wrong, they will do anything. And it doesn't matter whether it is a cold, bold faced lie or how many times has Biden said, I have never had a conversation with Hunter about his business dealings, but just recently, wow, it's funny because. His press secretary was like, this has not changed. I've said this a million times. This story has not changed. He is not in business with Hunter. See, this is how blatant, this is how um, how you can start to recognize when things aren't really on the up and up. It doesn't matter how much that press secretary knows in the public eye, and how many things are recorded out there and how many montages we see of Joe Biden saying he's never had conversations with his son about his business dealings, and then now they flip and they say, in business, yeah, he's had conversations. We've always said that, but no, you haven't. And so here we are now. We're looking at not only at a president who's trying to uh, put under completely his opponent. But we're also looking at his DOJ, and I hate to say it, his FBI. It shouldn't be that way. The FBI as well as the DOJ. The DOJ guy's elected, and they do appoint an FBI director. But the FBI has to be unbiased and has to be objective, but they haven't been. And you look at the IRS, same way. So you've got these things that are happening, and you've got this corruption that is so blatant, but yet you've got people like Gold, Goldman. After today, Devin Archer decides that he's going to uh, finally get back at the Bidens for them sort of leaving him in the wind and and, and actually driving the bus over him. And, and Goldman walks out, and he's like, nothing to see here, knowing there is plenty to see here. After we all know what Devin Archer was going in there to testify about, that he knows of at least 20-plus times that there was either conversations or visits personally, from Joe Biden and Hunter Biden himself with businessmen or people in China or Ukraine and various other places. There's this corruption that's there. We're seeing these things happening. We're seeing these things being an attack on Trump. Now, I'm again, I'm not on that Trump train anymore. If Trump ends up getting it, if he wins the primary, I'm going to vote for him. I know some of you guys, oh, my gosh, Danny... I am. I'm going to vote for him because I'm not voting for Joe Biden because he's more corrupt than Trump is. I'm not going to vote for Gavin Newsom. I'm not going to vote for RFK, the conspiracy theorist guy. What I'm trying to tell you is, is I'm not saying they don't need to, to indict Trump, but they should have indicted Hillary. So there's the double standard. Now let's look at another double standard. Now let's look at Hunter Biden. DOJ got caught. They got caught putting their hands in the cookie jar, trying to have their cake and eat it too. I know those two things don't go together, but they sort of do. They made a deal. They made a deal on some trumped up, like sad tax evasion charges, misdemeanors, saying that Mr. Biden, Hunter, did not pay a couple hundred thousand dollars. When now we're finding out that he actually has gotten millions of dollars that we know likely wasn't paid for. But... He only pleads guilty to that, and then for a felony gun charge? He only has to go through a diversion process for two two years? And here's the kicker. A judge decides, you know, when he actually goes to do the, and you guys have all heard this. I'm sure you've kept up with it. If you haven't, here you go. He goes to actually put in his non-guilty, or his guilty, I'm sorry, his guilty plea deal, his sweetheart deal that, Everybody knows it is a sweetheart deal. He actually goes to put that in in the court. And the judge is like, ah, there's some things here I'm just not jiving with. Now the judge is doing her job because she's there to initially remember where our process is for the accused to make sure they're innocent until proven guilty. So she starts asking a few questions to make sure that Mr. Biden knows what's going on. But she is questioning some things. And so she's asking about is this immunity deal? What is that? Nobody knows about the immunity deal because it sort of slid into the diversion part of the plea deal. Saying that he can't be charged for what he's under investigation now for uh, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. That's right, FARA. Like he's being investigated for not, for violating that, for having violated that. And she's like, this is, she even says, if you look at the transcript, she's like, this is very unusual. I've never seen anything like this. So you're saying that, so if he pleads guilty to this, he goes for two years for this, to, to for probation, for the gun charge, that's a felony, that if you know, I mean, you can ask a few celebrity rappers about that. They'll tell you that they got a raw deal. And they're a little ticked off too. But you're telling me that he's going to get immunity as he's being investigated for other things still, and he's going to get immunity for those things. So it doesn't matter what they find that he's not going to have to be charged for that. Like you're just, you just slid that right in there. And <laughs> now that it's out in the open, the prosecution goes, no, well, wait a second. You put it in with the plea deal. And as soon as he says, no, what does the defense do? This is all null and void. Then, this, this deal is broken up; it's falling apart. You know what? We're not we're not doing this. And so now we're in a pretty interesting situation. If I believed in karma, I would say that that's what's happening right now. But I'm looking at these two indictments. We have to go through the process, though, for both of them. But we have to do it the legal way. We can't be like the the Sanhedrin and go, let's break every rule to get Donald Trump, and even for the Republicans, let's break every rule. To get Hunter Biden. Folks, there is a problem right now in our country with this division in this this It seems like we have to go after the other side and attack them so brutally. And I feel like that's sort of what the Democrats are doing, not playing by any rules. But now I'm starting to see Republicans do the same thing, making accusations without evidence, making judgments without the process going through. Look, I understand there are some things that we need to do. We need to sometimes get a little bit dirty in how we do some things, but not dirty to where our hands are dirty and we're breaking laws. Or we're, oh, we're just deciding to push forward through something, even though the evidence may not be presented. I love what Ted Cruz on his, on his podcast has been saying. He's like, this is the evidence. Now, these are all allegations until we go to court, we have all the evidence, and they're proven guilty. I hope that's what happens in our justice system today. But I can tell you right now that's not what happened with Jesus. And I'm, I'm not glad. I'd, it's it's a weird thing. You know, like Good Friday, right? It's not really good. Jesus died on, on Friday. It wasn't a good Friday, but it was. It was a good Friday in the sense that Jesus died. Had he not died, I'd still be living in my sin. Had he not risen again on the third day, I would definitely still be living in my sin. I would have had nothing to cover that sin. And if it, if it wasn't for the sham trial, Jesus wouldn't have been put in that position, potentially. If they had followed the actual Mosaic laws, just by the fact of the unanimous decision of guilty, Jesus would have been able to walk free. But they chose not to follow that law. We have to be a, a a civilized society folks. we have to know that there is a rule of law you know you've heard me talk about time again there's objective truth there is a rule of law now I believe it's God's laws I believe it's God's heart I believe God in being the embodiment in Jesus Christ the truth the objective truth that's what we got to believe in but I, I'm seeing a world more and more tearing itself apart because it wants to do whatever it can to be its own God. It wants to do whatever it can to have its own power. And that's up to and including deciding to charge people, indict people, um, investigate people. Let's just say bottom line, when it comes to our, when it, when it comes to these trials, we can definitely see in Jesus' trial that it was corrupt and it was a sham from the very beginning. If you are full on Trump supporter, you know, you're like ride or die with Trump. Don't be so blinded and naive to actually see the potential guiltiness that Trump has been a part of, but also don't forget that there's a double standard being applied here. Our our justice system is not perfect. It's just not, it won't ever be. It's always going to be flawed because guess what? Humans uh, are the ones that are in charge of it. We're the ones that make the decisions. We have to do the best we can objectively with what we see and we have to look at the evidence objectively any investigator will tell you that even investigative reporters should be doing that so danny what's the point i mean you bring in the trial of jesus and everything you know what i wanted to give you a history lesson i wanted you to know that jesus was unfairly um unfairly uh charged and accused and um, found guilty but it had to happen it has nothing to do with trump and hunter biden just to be honest I just want you to to be objective in what you're seeing happening and unfold. And no matter what side you're on, know that it's not perfect and maybe the outcome doesn't come for you. Maybe Trump gets, um, he does get charged. He is found guilty. He doesn't, he's not the next uh, GOP candidate. But let the justice system play out in its imperfections. And don't make rash judgments ahead of time. Maybe Hunter Biden is completely innocent of everything he's ever done. You didn't see me shake my head no, did you? I don't know. I'm trying not to be biased with that. But look at the evidence. What does the evidence say? And then ultimately, you're not the judge, you're not the jury. You have to sit back and hope and pray that the people in our judicial system Make the right decision. So if you're ever caught in a situation where you're in a sham trial, I hope you pray that there are objective, unbiased people around you. That whether or not they're the prosecutor or whether or not they're the defense, that they do understand that you as the accused have rights. And no matter how much of a dirtbag you may be, you still do. That's, that's the beauty of our justice system, ironically. Don't be a Sanhedrin. All right, guys, I appreciate you sticking with me today. Definitely want you to uh, catch up with us and watch this. You can watch this on YouTube. You can watch it on Rumble. You can listen to it on any of the podcast uh, places where you listen to your audio, audio podcasts. Um, we got some uh, other things coming, and we will hopefully be a part of um, FFP sometime in this cool little round table studio we got going on huh, Josh. All right. All right, guys have a great week. God bless.